Chapter 44 of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Root of Mr. Stewart, Dreary Wilds, Thirsty Traveling, A Grove and Streamlet, The Blue Mountains, A Fertile Plain with Rivulets, Sulphur Spring, Root along Snake River, Rumors of White Men, The Snake and His Horse a snake guide a midnight decampment unexpected meeting with old comrades story of trappers hardships salmon falls a great fishery mode of spearing salmon arrival at the cauldron lynn state of the caches new resolution of the three kentucky trappers in retracing the route which had proved so disastrous to mr hunt's party during the preceding winter mr stewart had trusted in the present more favourable season to find easy travelling and abundant supplies on these great wastes and wilds however each season has its peculiar hardships the travellers had not proceeded far before they found themselves among naked and arid hills with a soil composed of sand and clay baked and brittle that to all appearance had never been visited by the dews of heaven not a spring or pool or running stream was to be seen the sunburnt country was seamed or cut up by dry ravines the beds of winter torrents serving only to balk the hopes of man and beast with the sight of dusty channels where water had once poured along in floods for a long summer day they continued onward without halting a burning sky above their heads a parched desert beneath their feet with just wind enough to raise the light sand from the knolls and envelop them in stifling clouds the sufferings from thirst became intense a fine young dog their only companion of the kind gave out and expired evening drew on without any prospect of relief and they were almost reduced to despair when they descried something that looked like a fringe of forest along the horizon all were inspired with new hope for they knew that on these arid wastes in the neighbourhood of trees there is always water they now quickened their pace the horses seemed to understand their motives and to partake of their anticipations for though before almost ready to give out they now required neither whip nor spur with all their exertions it was late in the night before they drew near to the trees as they approached they heard with transport the rippling of a shallow stream no sooner did the refreshing sound reach the ears of the horse than the poor animals snuffed the air rushed forward with ungovernable eagerness and plunged their muzzles into the water drank until they seemed in danger of bursting their riders had but little more discretion and required repeated draughts to quench their excessive thirst their weary march that day had been forty-five miles over a tract that might rival the deserts of africa for aridity indeed the sufferings of the traveller on these american deserts is frequently more severe than in the wastes of africa or asia from being less habituated and prepared to cope with them 
on the banks of this blessed stream the travellers encamped for the night and so great had been their fatigue and so sound and sweet was their sleep that it was a late hour the next morning before they awoke they now recognized the little river to be the umatilla the same on the banks of which mr hunt and his followers had arrived after their painful struggle through the blue mountains and experienced such a kind relief in the friendly camp of the skyatogas that range of blue mountains now extended in the distance before them they were the same among which poor michael carrier had perished they form the southeast boundary of the great plains along the columbia dividing the waters of its main stream from those of lewis river they are in fact a part of a long chain which stretches over a great extent of country and includes in its links the snake river mountains the day was somewhat advanced before the travellers left the shady banks of the umatilla their route gradually took them among the blue mountains which assumed the most rugged aspect on a near approach they were shagged with dense and gloomy forests and cut up by deep and precipitous ravines extremely toilsome to the horses sometimes the travellers had to follow the course of some brawling stream with a broken rocky bed which the shouldering cliffs and promontories on either side obliged them frequently to cross and recross for some miles they struggled forward through these savage and darkly wooded defiles when all at once the whole landscape changed as if by magic the rude mountains and rugged ravines softened into beautiful hills and intervening meadows with rivulets winding through fresh herbage and sparkling and murmuring over gravelly beds the whole forming a verdant and pastoral scene which derived additional charms from being locked up in the bosom of such a hard-hearted region emerging from the chain of blue mountains they descended upon a vast plain almost a dead level sixty miles in circumference of excellent soil with fine streams meandering through it in every direction their courses marked out in the wide landscape by serpentine lines of cottonwood trees and willows which fringed their banks and afforded sustenance to great numbers of beavers and otters in traversing this plain they passed close to the skirts of the hills a great pool of water three hundred yards in circumference fed by a sulphur spring about ten feet in diameter boiling up in one corner the vapour from this pool was extremely noisome and tainted the air for a considerable distance the place was much frequented by elk which were found in considerable numbers in the adjacent mountains and their horns shed in the springtime were strewed in every direction around the pond on the tenth of august they reached the main body of woodville creek the same stream which mr hunt had ascended in the preceding year shortly after his separation from mr crooks on the banks of this stream they saw a herd of nineteen antelopes a sight so unusual in that part of the country that at first they doubted the evidence of their senses they tried by every means to get within shot of them but they were too shy and fleet and after alternately bounding to a distance and then stopping to gaze with capricious curiosity at the hunter they at length scampered out of sight 
on the twelfth of august the travellers arrived on the banks of snake river the scene of so many trials and mishaps to all of the present party excepting mr stewart they struck the river just above the place where it entered the mountains through which messrs stewart and crooks had vainly endeavoured to find a passage the river was here a rapid stream four hundred yards in width with high sandy banks and here and there a scanty growth of willow up the southern side of the river they now bent their course intending to visit the caches made by mr hunt at the cauldron lynn on the second evening a solitary snake indian visited their camp at a late hour and informed them that there was a white man residing at one of the cantonments of his tribe about a day's journey higher up the river it was immediately concluded that he must be one of the poor fellows of mr hunt's party who had given out exhausted by hunger and fatigue in the wretched journey of the preceding winter all present who had borne a part in the sufferings of that journey were eager now to press forward and bring relief to a lost comrade early the next morning therefore they pushed forward with unusual alacrity for two days however did they travel without being able to find any trace of such a straggler on the evening of the second day they arrived at a place where a large river came in from the east which was renowned among all the wandering hordes of the snake nation for its salmon fishery that fish being taken in incredible quantities in this neighbourhood here therefore during the fishing season the snake indians resort from far and near to lay in their stock of salmon which with esculent roots forms the principal food of the inhabitants of these barren regions on the banks of a small stream emptying into snake river at this place mr stewart found an encampment of shoshones he made the usual inquiry of them concerning the white man of whom he had received intelligence no such person was dwelling among them but they said there were white men residing with some of their nation on the opposite side of the river this was still more animating information mr crooks now hoped that these might be the men of his party who disheartened by perils and hardships had preferred to remain among the indians others thought they might be mr miller and the hunters who had left the main body at henry's port to trap among the mountain streams mr stewart halted therefore in the neighbourhood of the shoshone lodges and sent an indian across the river to seek out the white men in question and bring them to his camp the travellers passed a restless miserable night the place swarmed with myriads of mosquitoes which with their stings and their music set all sleep at defiance the morning dawn found them in a feverish irritable mood and their spleen was completely aroused by the return of the indian without any intelligence of the white men they now considered themselves the dupes of indian falsehoods and resolved to put no more confidence in snakes they soon however forgot this resolution in the course of the morning an indian came galloping after them mr stewart waited to receive him no sooner had he come up than dismounting and throwing his arms around the neck of mr stewart's horse he began to kiss and caress the animal who on his part seemed by no means surprised or displeased with his salutation mr stewart who valued his horse highly was somewhat annoyed by these transports the cause of them was soon explained 
the snake said the horse had belonged to him and been the best in his possession and that it had been stolen by the walla wallas mr stuart was by no means pleased with this recognition of his steed nor disposed to admit any claim on the part of its ancient owner in fact it was a noble animal admirably shaped of free and generous spirit graceful in movement and fleet as an antelope it was his intention if possible to take the horse to new york and present him to mr astor in the meantime some of the party came up and immediately recognized in the snake an old friend and ally he was in fact one of the two guides who had conducted mr hunt's party in the preceding autumn across mad river mountain to fort henry and who subsequently departed with mr miller and his fellow-trappers to conduct them to a good trapping-ground the reader may recollect that these two trusty snakes were engaged by mr hunt to return and take charge of the horses which the party intended to leave at fort henry when they should embark in canoes the party now crowded round the snake and began to question him with eagerness his replies were somewhat vague but partially understood he told a long story about the horses from which it appeared that they had been stolen by various wandering bands and scattered in different directions the cash too had been plundered and the saddles and other equipments carried off his information concerning mr miller and his comrades was not more satisfactory they had trapped for some time about the upper streams but had fallen into the hands of a marauding party of crows who had robbed them of horses weapons and everything further questioning brought forth further intelligence but all of a disastrous kind about ten days previously he had met with three other white men in very miserable plight having one horse each and but one rifle among them they also had been plundered and maltreated by the crows those universal freebooters the snake endeavoured to pronounce the names of these three men and as far as his imperfect sounds could be understood they were supposed to be three of the party of four hunters namely carson st michel de taille and delaunay who were detached from mr hunt's party on the twenty eighth of september to trap beaver on the headwaters of the columbia in the course of conversation the indian informed them that the route by which mr hunt had crossed the rocky mountains was very bad and circuitous and that he knew one much shorter and easier mr stuart urged him to accompany them as guide promising to reward him with a pistol with powder and ball a knife and all some blue beads a blanket and a looking-glass such a catalogue of riches was too tempting to be resisted besides the poor snake languished after the prairies he was tired he said of salmon and longed for buffalo meat and to have a grand buffalo hunt beyond the mountains he departed therefore with all speed to get his arms and equipments for the journey promising to rejoin the party the next day he kept his word and as he no longer said anything to mr stuart on the subject of the pet horse they journeyed very harmoniously together though now and then the snake would regard his quondam steed with a wistful eye they had not travelled many miles when they came to a great bend in the river 
here the snake informed them that by cutting across the hills they would save many miles of distance the route across however would be a good day's journey he advised them therefore to encamp here for the night and set off early in the morning they took his advice though they had come but nine miles that day on the following morning they rose bright and early to ascend the hills on mustering their little party the guide was missing they supposed him to be somewhere in the neighbourhood and proceeded to collect the horses the vaunted steed of mr stuart was not to be found a suspicion flashed upon his mind search for the horse of the snake he likewise was gone the tracks of two horses one after the other were found making off from the camp they appeared as if one horse had been mounted and the other led they were traced for a few miles above the camp until they both crossed the river it was plain the snake had taken an indian mode of recovering his horse having quietly decamped with him in the night new vows were made never more to trust in snakes or any other indians it was determined also to maintain hereafter the strictest vigilance over their horses dividing the night into three watches and one person mounting guard at a time they resolved also to keep along the river instead of taking the short cut recommended by the fugitive snake whom they now set down for a thorough deceiver the heat of the weather was oppressive and their horses were at times rendered almost frantic by the stings of the prairie flies the nights were suffocating and it was almost impossible to sleep from the swarms of mosquitoes on the twentieth of august they resumed their march keeping along the prairie parallel to snake river the day was sultry and some of the party being parched with thirst left the line of march and scrambled down the bank of the river to drink the bank was overhung with willows beneath which to their surprise they beheld a man fishing no sooner did he see them than he uttered an exclamation of joy it proved to be john hoback one of their lost comrades they had scarcely exchanged greetings when three other men came out from among the willows they were joseph miller jacob resner and robinson the scalped kentuckian the veteran of the bloody ground the reader will perhaps recollect the abrupt and wilful manner in which mr miller threw up his interest as a partner of the company and departed from fort henry in company with these three trappers and a fourth named cass he may likewise recognize in robinson resner and hoback the trio of kentucky hunters who had originally been in the service of mr henry and whom mr hunt found floating down the missouri on their way homeward and prevailed upon once more to cross the mountains the haggard looks and naked condition of these men proved how much they had suffered after leaving mr hunt's party they had made their way about two hundred miles to the southward where they trapped beaver on a river which according to their account discharged itself into the ocean to the south of the columbia but which we apprehend to be bear river a stream emptying itself into lake bonneville an immense body of salt water west of the rocky mountains having collected a considerable quantity of beaver skins they made them into packs loaded their horses and steered two hundred miles due east 
here they came upon an encampment of sixty lodges of arapahes an outlawed band of the arapahoes and notorious robbers these fell upon the poor trappers robbed them of their peltries most of their clothing and several of their horses they were glad to escape with their lives and without being entirely stripped and after proceeding about fifty miles further made their halt for the winter early in the spring they resumed their wayfaring but were unluckily overtaken by the same ruffian horde who levied still further contributions and carried off the remainder of their horses excepting two with these they continued on suffering the greatest hardships they still retained rifles and ammunition but were in a desert country where neither bird nor beast was to be found their only chance was to keep along the rivers and subsist by fishing but at times no fish were to be taken and then their sufferings were horrible one of their horses was stolen among the mountains by the snake indians the other they said was carried off by cass who according to their account villainously left them in their extremities certain dark doubts and surmises were afterwards circulated concerning the fate of that poor fellow which if true showed to what a desperate state of famine his comrades had been reduced being now completely unhorsed mr miller and his three companions wandered on foot for several hundred miles enduring hunger thirst and fatigue while traversing the barren wastes which abound beyond the rocky mountains at the time they were discovered by mr stewart's party they were almost famished and were fishing for a precarious meal had mr stewart made the short cut across the hills avoiding this bend of the river or had not some of his party accidentally gone down to the margin of the stream to drink these poor wanderers might have remained undiscovered and have perished in the wilderness nothing could exceed their joy on thus meeting with their old comrades or the hardiness with which they were welcomed all hands immediately encamped and the slender stores of the party were ransacked to furnish out a suitable regale the next morning they all set out together mr miller and his comrades being resolved to give up the life of a trapper and accompany mr stewart back to st louis for several days they kept along the course of snake river occasionally making short cuts across hills and promontories where there were bends in the stream in their way they passed several camps of shoshones from some of whom they procured salmon but in general they were too wretchedly poor to furnish anything it was the wish of mr stewart to purchase horses for the recent recruits of his party but the indians could not be prevailed upon to part with any alleging that they had not enough for their own use on the twenty fifth of august they reached a great fishing place to which they gave the name of the salmon falls here there is a perpendicular fall of twenty feet on the north side of the river while on the south side there is a succession of rapids the salmon are taken here in incredible quantities as they attempt to shoot the falls it was now a favorable season and there were about one hundred lodges of shoshones busily engaged killing and drying fish the salmon began to leap shortly after sunrise 
at this time the indians swim to the centre of the falls where some station themselves on rocks and others stand to their waists in the water all armed with spears with which they assail the salmon as they attempt to leap or fall back exhausted it is an incessant slaughter so great is the throng of the fish the construction of the spears thus used is peculiar the head is a straight piece of elkhorn about seven inches long on the point of which an artificial barb is made fast with twine well gummed the head is stuck on the end of the shaft a very long pole of willow to which it is likewise connected by a strong cord a few inches in length when the spearsman makes a sure blow he often strikes the head of the spear through the body of the fish it comes off easily and leaves the salmon struggling with the string through its body while the pole is still held by the spearsman were it not for the precaution of the string the willow shaft would be snapped by the struggles and the weight of the fish mr miller in the course of his wanderings had been at these falls and had seen several thousand salmon taken in the course of one afternoon he declared that he had seen a salmon leap a distance of about thirty feet from the commencement of the foam at the foot of the falls completely to the top having purchased a good supply of salmon from the fishermen the party resumed their journey and on the twenty ninth arrived at the cauldron lynn the eventful scene of the preceding autumn here the first thing that met their eyes was a memento of the perplexities of that period the wreck of a canoe lodged between two ledges of rocks they endeavored to get down to it but the river banks were too high and precipitous they now proceeded to that part of the neighborhood where mr hunt and his party had made the caches intending to take from them such articles as belonged to mr crooks mcclellan and the canadians on reaching the spot they found to their astonishment six of the caches open and rifled of their contents excepting a few books which lay scattered about the vicinity they had the appearance of having been plundered in the course of the summer there were tracks of wolves in every direction to and from the holes from which mr stewart concluded that these animals had first been attracted to the place by the smell of the skins contained in the caches which they had probably torn up and that their tracks had betrayed the secret to the indians the three remaining caches had not been molested they contained a few dry goods some ammunition and a number of beaver traps from these mr stewart took whatever was requisite for his party he then deposited within them all his superfluous baggage and all the books and papers scattered around the holes were then carefully closed up and all traces of them effaced and here we have to record another instance of the indomitable spirit of the western trappers no sooner did the trio of kentucky hunters robinson resner and hoback find that they could once more be fitted out for a campaign of beaver trapping then they forgot all that they had suffered and determined upon another trial of their fortunes preferring to take their chance in the wilderness rather than return home ragged and penniless as to mr miller he declared his curiosity and his desire of travelling through the indian countries fully satisfied he adhered to his determination therefore to keep on with the party to st louis 
and to return to the bosom of civilized society the three hunters therefore robinson resner and hoback were furnished as far as the caches and the means of mr stewart's party afforded with their requisite munitions and equipments for a two years hunt but as their fitting out was yet incomplete they resolved to wait in this neighbourhood until mr reed should arrive whose arrival might soon be expected as he was to set out for the caches about twenty days after mr stewart parted with him at the walla walla river mr stewart gave in charge to robinson a letter to mr reed reporting his safe journey thus far and the state in which he had found the caches a duplicate of this letter he elevated on a pole and set it up near the place of deposit all things being thus arranged mr stewart and his little band now seven in number took leave of the three hardy trappers wishing them all possible success in their lonely and perilous sojourn in the wilderness and we in like manner shall leave them to their fortunes promising to take them up again at some future page and to close the story of their persevering and ill-fated enterprise end of chapter forty four